encourage you to turn in your Bibles to our sermon passage tonight, Proverbs 18, verses 20 and 21. Proverbs 18, verses 20 and 21. And before I read that, I'll pray. Father, we thank you that you are a God who speaks to us, and we are here as your people to listen. Help us to not only hear your word, but to do what it says, and to see more of the glory of Christ as we study and reflect on these Proverbs, which are your holy inspired word. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Proverbs 18, verses 20 and 21. From the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The book of Proverbs has more to say about one topic than any other topic. That's what we'll be studying tonight. So any guesses? Any guesses? Speech? That's right. Our speech, our words, the tongue. You might be familiar with that passage in one of Paul's letters when he says, glorify God with your body. And as one pastor put it, when you come to the book of Proverbs, this book says, if you want your body to glorify God, then start with your tongue. Start with your There are more Proverbs on our speech, on our words, than on any other topic. And the the book of Proverbs has a lot to say about so much. It's that important. Our speech, our words, it's that important. And we'll study it together tonight. As we study these two Proverbs, we'll see a common theme. And the common theme is the certain and abundant effects of our words. The certain and abundant effects of our words. Along the way, we'll contrast worldly wisdom and biblical wisdom. We'll see that the world's wisdom, what we hear in our world around us, can only scratch the surface, but God's wisdom really, truly gets to the heart of the matter. So with that said, let's start with verse 20. Verse 20 says, From the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied, He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. Okay, what's the fruit of a man's mouth? It's his speech. It's the words that come out. So from the fruit or words of a man's mouth, of a woman's mouth, his stomach, her stomach is satisfied. The words that we speak out come back in and fill us up. What we speak out comes back in. Does that sound contradictory? Does it sound curious to you? What goes out comes back in? Well, if it sounds contradictory, that's because it's really an oxymoron. It's it's like saying jumbo shrimp. (laughs) Jumbo, big, shrimp, small. It's like saying that something is bittersweet. How can it be both at the same time? Well, here, this proverb puts two ideas together that seem contradictory. Something's going out, but it's also coming back in to fill us up. How does that work? 
Well, the proverb is simply saying this. What we say will be said back to us. What we say, what we speak out, will be, will be said back to us. Our words are like boomerangs. I was at a reunion yesterday, and one of the kids got a boomerang. I'm not sure if it ever effectively came back to him, but our words are like boomerangs. They come back to us. What goes around comes around. The words that we send around will come back around to us. To put it very, very simply, we could say, this proverb says, we will eat our words. We will eat our words. And those words, as we all know, can be good or they can be bad. Just like fruit. Blueberries were in season a few weeks ago. You all know that a perfect blueberry is just great to eat. Plump and juicy. But every once in a while, if you're not careful, you'll eat one that's small and green and tart or moldy and mushy. Before you know it, you're eating it, and it's just yucky. Well, fruit can be good or bad, and in the same way, the fruit of our lips can be good or bad. In either case, this proverb is saying that we will eat our words. And notice, it doesn't say that we'll snack on them, or munch on them, or nibble on them. Two times in this one verse, it says, he is satisfied. He is satisfied. He is filled. He is sated. We will eat our words until we're stuffed. And if you think about it, we all know that this is true. We've all experienced this. Here's a simple example from this past week. Our kids were playing together, and one of them yelled at the other. And how can you guess how the sibling responded? Well, the sibling responded by yelling back even louder. The one sibling dished out bad fruit and got it right back, even more, in return. But the opposite is true. When we dish out good fruit, we get good fruit back. So I intervened in that yelling match, said, no, you can't take the toy. You need to ask for it. Say please. And when one of the siblings said please, the other very cheerfully said, more or less, sure, here you go. You can play with it. When the one sibling dished out good fruit, it was given back. So that's the gist of this verse. What we speak out will come back to us. We will eat our words. And as we turn now to verse 21, we'll see the same things but more clear and more sharply defined. If if verse 20 is a bit blurry and black and white, verse 21 is in full color, and very, very clear, very intense. So verse 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Now it doesn't say a frown and a smile are in the power of the tongue. It doesn't say helping and hurting are in the power of the tongue. No, it says the extremes of death and life. And therefore, everything in between, smiles and frowns, helping and hurting, all of it is in the power of the tongue. Death and life. For, for a second, put yourself in the setting of a courtroom. When that judge pronounces the final verdict, that verdict could literally mean someone's death or someone's life. Those words spoken out could literally mean someone's death. Or, 
their life. Now, most of us aren't in a courtroom very often, but we know that this is true from common, ordinary experience. We can testify to the power of words. The power of words, on the one hand, to kill, to destroy, to tear down. As we all know, evil words can rip apart families, marriages, friendships, churches, workplaces. That's what evil words can do. But it's also true that life is in the power of the tongue. And we all can testify how to how we can testify how words have the power to build up, to encourage, to give life, to to bless. Good benedictory words cause friendships and marriages and families and churches and workplaces to to blossom, to flourish, to grow. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Another proverb has something similar to say. It says, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. So can you picture yourself or someone else barging into a room, uh, thrusting a sword here and there? The proverb is saying that's what our to- sword, that's what our words can be like. That's what our tongues can be like, like a sword cutting people. But can you also think of yourself or someone else coming into a room and gently giving out band-aids and ice packs? The point is that our words can draw blood or they can stop the bleeding. Words can bring life and they can bring death. At the end of verse 21, or the second half of verse 21, it says, And those who love it will eat its fruits. Those who love it. Is this referring just to people who love to talk? If so, uh, it might not apply to all of us. Well, I, I think it is applying to those who love to talk, but that's all of us, not just some of us. Not just the, the gabbers and, and the talkative. Either consciously or unconsciously, each one of us loves the power of our words. We love and delight in a well-crafted comment or text or letter or email that puts those life-giving words just right. We love when that happens. When we think through what we want to say to bless someone and it, and it blesses them, we love that. We delight in that. And if we're honest, if we're honest, we also delight in the power of evil words to put others down, to selfishly get what we want. We we know the power of words. So we see in these two Proverbs, as I put it earlier, there are certain and abundant effects of our words the certain effects. We will eat the words that we speak, whether it's good or bad. Our words have an abundant effect. We will eat our words to the full. We won't just snack on them or nibble on them. And our effects, the effects, can be good or bad, bringing death or bringing life. But, perhaps you've been sitting there thinking, well, is that always true? Do we always eat our words? Have you ever spoken a kind word 
and received a harsh word in return? I know I have. Have you ever spoken a harsh word and received a kind word in return? I know I have. If I got that right, I said both options. Yeah, we know what it's like to speak a kind word and get the opposite in return. Or to speak a harsh word and to receive a kind and patient and loving word in return. So if, if we also experience that, then are these Proverbs still true? Yes, they are. These Proverbs are still true, but here we see the nature of Proverbs. Proverbs, by their very nature, tell us what generally happens. That's what Proverbs are all about. They deal with the rule, not the exception. As we study this book, we see how God's world normally works. This is how things normally work in God's world. So Proverbs are a little bit like gravity. When you throw your worship guide or throw something else, it falls to the ground, usually. There are contacts, like outer space. When you throw something and it won't fall to the ground... Yeah, so Proverbs, as one of my seminary professors put it, Proverbs are like Newtonian physics. Um, They're not like quantum physics. If you want quantum physics, all of the exceptions, look at a book like Ecclesiastes. That deals with the exceptions. Proverbs deals with what normally happens. When you throw something, it falls to the ground. So Proverbs, you could also think of it as this way. Proverbs are... They're not promises, they're proverbs. They're not promises, they're, they're proverbs. This is how God's world normally works. So, nine times out of ten, we should expect to fully eat our words. If we speak words of life, we should expect to receive words of life in return. If we speak words of death, expect words of death to be spoken back to you. Generally speaking, this is what we should expect. Once again, Proverbs are not promises, they're Proverbs. This means there are exceptions, and we all have experienced exceptions to the rule. But the biggest, the clearest exception is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And let me explain to you what I mean by that. We read in the gospel of John, in the beginning was the word of God. And the word of God Truly God became truly man. We read that Jesus Christ dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. How was the glory of Christ displayed? As he became truly man, how was it displayed? Well, in so many ways. In so many ways, but one way his glory was displayed was in his speech. In what he actually said as he walked as as a human being, on this earth. In the Gospel of John, we read about how one time, the chief priests and Pharisees sent officers to arrest Jesus. And the officers came back, who would have guessed it, they came back empty-handed, and the the high priests and Pharisees said, where's Jesus? You're supposed to go get him. And the officers answered, no one ever spoke like this man. No one ever spoke like this man. Who is this man? No one speaks like this. Every one of his words was perfect, true, life-giving. As the wisdom of God incarnate 
he could only ever speak words of wisdom. From the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. So in light of this proverb, we would expect Jesus Christ to eat his words. The one who spoke words of life should receive words of life, right? Well, we know that that didn't happen. The word of God, the life-giving word of God was reviled. He was cursed and mocked and ridiculed throughout his ministry and climactically on the cross. There on the cross, Jesus wasn't only cursed by God, by God, also by men. And he cried out on the cross, my God, my God, why are you not speaking with me? There he was cursed, not only by men, but also by God. Why are you not speaking with me? On the cross, Jesus didn't eat the fruit of his words. He ate the fruit of our bitter words. Left to ourselves, we could only ever speak words of death. And according to this proverb, we should expect to eat it. We should expect to eat death for our words of death, to be cursed for our cursing. Death is in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. So praise God for Jesus, the life-giving word of God who ate our fruit in our place. He died for our sins, so that we might receive his life. This is, like, this is like reflecting on the great exchange, but through the perspective of speech and words. Christ gets our ugliness, and we get his righteousness. Well, that's true also in the case of speech. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we received his resurrection life by the power of the Spirit. Because Jesus ate the fruit of our words, we now eat the fruit of his words. We have received to the full words of life, words of blessing, words of benediction. And those are the words that now, as God's people, we speak to others. We see this throughout Scripture. Listen to how the Apostle Peter puts this. I actually quoted this in your reflections so if you want to turn there and follow along, it's on page two. So listen, how, listen to how someone else reflects. The Apostle Peter reflects on these truths. He says in 1 Peter 1, 22-25, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. This word is the good news that was preached to you. So this, friends, is the wisdom of God. This is the wisdom of Almighty God on display. What a contrast with our world's wisdom. If you listen, if you listen to the world around us, you will hear things that sound similar to our Proverbs. The world, for example, recognizes the power of the tongue. Friedrich Nietzsche said, 
All I need is a sheet of paper and something to write with, and then I can turn the world upside down. He knew, and so many others knew, that the tongue is powerful. Really, really powerful. Someone else said, and I don't know who said this, but someone said or wrote, words are seeds that do more than blow around. They land in our hearts and not the ground. Be careful what you plan and careful what you say. You might have to eat what you planted one day. I don't know who wrote it, but it sounds like these Proverbs, doesn't it? It sounds like the Proverbs. But worldly wisdom never goes deep enough. It can only scratch the surface. Self-help and Google searches can lead to modified behavior. And we can thank God that unbelievers don't always speak as badly as they could. We can thank God for that. But worldly wisdom doesn't get to the heart of the matter. And, then, and the heart of the matter is, is just that. It's, it's the heart. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Our sinful words, and the world doesn't recognize this, but our sinful words flow from sinful hearts that we can't change. I can't change my heart. You can't change your heart. But God can. And he does change our hearts by his spirit. Through the living and abiding word of God, we are born again. And this means that we now love one another another earnestly from the heart, as Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1. That looks like life-giving speech. Words of life. So think about that. Death and life are in the power of your tongue. Death and life are in the power of our tongues. How can we speak words of life to one another? Tonight, this week, what will those words of life look like? They could sound like, I'm sorry, will you please forgive me? Or, thank you for apologizing, I forgive you. Or, is there one way that I can pray for you? Or, that sounds really hard, can you tell me more about that? Or, thank you for serving me by fill in the blank. With the Spirit of Christ living inside us, think of of the endless varieties of life-giving speech. Think of what we can say to one another to build up one another in Christ. Think of how the Spirit may use our words. And think of how the Spirit is already using our words to build up proclamation, to build up our families and friendships, to build up neighbors and co-workers. So, to wrap it all up, depending on the Spirit, let's repent of our sinful words. Depending on the Spirit, Let's speak words of life that make one another glad in our Savior. And let's do so until the word of life appears, the word of God appears, who is our very life. Amen. Amen. We will come back to a time of question and answer, a time for comments and discussion. But first I'll pray, and then we'll sing our final hymn, and then we'll have some conversation time. So let me pray. Father, we thank you for how gracious you are to to me, to us, that we deserve 
death, but you've given us life in the Son. And we thank you and praise you for him, for our Savior. And pray that you would help us by the power of your Spirit to obey your word and to speak words of life. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I picked, I thought we'd sing, I Hear the Words of Love. I picked this because it captures uh, what we graciously, what we graciously hear. We hear words of love. Um, Those are completely undeserved and undesired. But that's what we hear as God's people. So let's stand and sing this, and then we'll have a time for Q&A.